Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. On October 24, 2011, 12-year-old Garrett Phillips was murdered in his home in Potsdam, a small town in upstate New York. Police quickly zeroed in on a suspect in this unthinkable crime. The man's name was Oral Nicky Hillary, a black man in a mostly white community who was the soccer coach at Clarkson University and the ex-boyfriend of Garrett's mother, Tandy Cyrus. This film is uh, directed by Liz Garbus, uh, Academy Award nominated as well as Emmy winner. Uh, Liz is uh, responsible for such films as A Dangerous Son, Nothing Left Unsaid, Gloria Vanderbilt, and and Anderson Cooper. This captivating two-part documentary will premiere on HBO on Tuesday, July 23rd and Wednesday, July 24th. That's at 8 o'clock Eastern and Pacific time. And I want to just first say thank you so much, Liz Garbus, for coming back on Film School, and welcome back. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're very welcome. I appreciate well. it. Well, this is a remarkable story, and it's a remarkable documentary, and we'll get into the level of access that you had to the, the people involved in this film, which is just amazing. But tell me uh, where you first heard about the story behind uh, this murder of Garrett Phillips. I first heard about the um, the, the the case um, by reading about in the newspaper, especially the New York Times, who um, the, the the reporter Jesse McKinley was was covering the case. You know, once I once I heard about it, it definitely it had certain elements that um, immediately drew me in. I would say just the kind of the the mystery of it, the injustice of it. You know, how on a sunny afternoon or uh, actually it was also a little rainy that day on a, on a, on a, on a regular weekday afternoon a child could you know, you know scoot home from from school and within moments lose their life and the perpetrator could escape unseen and in broad daylight um, during a you know three minute window of time where um, the folks had had uh, you know left where, where he would have been seen the perpetrator assuming it was a he. And, uh, you know, the, just the kind of pure mystery of it drew me in. I think as a mom of a, of a boy, I now have a 12-year-old boy, mm-hmm. it was, um, you know, it's just your, of course, it's your, your biggest nightmare. And I think, you know, often I'm, I'm drawn to these cases in the criminal justice system. I try to think, why, why, you know, what is it? And, I, you know, I think it's about a sense of control. Like, how can we not know what happened? Like, how, how can something so horrible happen and there can be no rational explanation of course there's never a rational explanation for mur- you know for a murder yeah. but you know just just even not knowing who did it not you know leaving them leaving no trace of evidence just feels like you know something i'm i'm, I'm interested in looking at and then of course the larger context of the crime within um, a, a community where there had been issues around an interracial r- romance and um overlaps with with the police department that were quite messy there was and a prosecutor who seemed to be hell-bent on using this case to advance her career um you know there were just a lot of issues and themes that um were interesting in this particular case and then also i think into the larger context of the criminal justice in in america yeah Uh, how long have you been in new york do you how long have i been in new york oh i was 
I'm born and raised in New York, so okay. all my life. <laughs> Did you have a working understanding of this part of the state of New York and sort of the sociopolitical sort of cultural uh, norms of that part of the state? No, I think, you know, St. Lawrence County is, it's far. It's really hard to get to. I mean, you know, there's no direct, you know, there's no flights there. You can either fly to Canada and then drive south across the border. You can fly to Syracuse, drive north a couple of hours. You know, and and as Jesse McKinley says in our film, you know, that for for many people, that's the appeal. But it's not a place, even as a native New Yorker who's lived here all her life, that you would drive through or stop. You know, it's, it's remote. People go there, of course, because there's, you know, they live there, and also there's universities there that draw, draw people. You know, quite excellent universities: Clarkson, Saint Lawrence, Potsdam, SUNY Potsdam. Um, but it's not an area I was familiar with being a New Yorker because it's just it's quite remote. Okay. So you now, so you hear about this, you read about it in, in an article, and and then so what's your first step as as a filmmaker? Who who are you approaching? In, in the initial stages of this uh, documentary to sort of gain access into the bigger story that you're looking at? Approaching everybody, you know, we, um, you know, you reach out to the prosecutor's office, you reach out to uh, the defense attorney's office, reach out to, uh, well, really, that's where we started. Um, and um, through the defense attorneys, you know, ultimately, you know, we're, we were connected with, uh, Nick Hillary himself, and that you know, and that's where that's where it started. And what were your initial impressions uh, as a filmmaker? You're, obviously, you're looking for the elements that are going to create uh, a great story in terms of how how this this thing is going to unfold. And I would assume that you're going on at some level, kind of instinctually, after having such such a long and storied career as a as a filmmaker, you're you're looking for certain things. What was your first impression when you met uh, Nick Hillary? My first impressions of Nick are, you know, consistent with many. I mean, I Nick is a lovely, very calm, um, you know, patient person. Um, he is um, easy to be around, easy to have a laugh with. Loves soccer. You know, yeah. can talk about that endlessly. <laughs> um, you know, he is, um, you know, really good with his kids, um, and um, so. You know, he's an easy guy to 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 meet and to be around. So yeah. Uh, that yeah, those were my impressions. Yeah. Um, I think that I um, you know when I enter a a world, I try you know I I try not to bring judgment. I mean, I I made a film called There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane some years ago for HBO and. It was about the tragedy on the Taconic Parkway, where a in the middle of afternoon, a mother, you know, a woman with her her children and nieces in the back of the car drove the wrong way down the Taconic Parkway and ended up causing the death of herself and eight people. And you know, it would be like, you know, one day I would think, oh, it was definitely a suicide. One day I'd think, oh, it was an accident. You know, you kind of go through. You know, you kind of walk out every day with different theories about it. And what I learned from that was like, I think my role as a filmmaker is just not to fix on a theory. My role as a filmmaker is to be open to whatever, wherever that takes you. And that for the viewer, having that experience is what's, what's key. You know, that experience of being exposed to the information and letting them go on that roller coaster ride of feeling convinced one way one minute and then another way the next. And I think that's how I approached the film. Yeah. Let me just say, first of all, let me let people know we're speaking with Liz Garbus. She's the director of a new documentary that's coming out on HBO called 
Who Killed Garrett Phillips? It's premiering on Tuesday, July 23rd, and it's a two-part documentary. Uh, so it's uh, premiering on Tuesday, July 23rd, and then the second part is on Wednesday, July 24th on HBO. Check all your HBO channels. It's uh, scheduled to start at 8 p.m. On, on those two nights. Thank you for that answer because there's a lot of suspense in this film and a lot of tension in the film and one of the, the for me the the part that is just i was actually shaking during the uh. during the interrogation of him in the office with the two uh. officers i it i mean i really literally uh. was reacting uh you know viscerally to uh it because we've seen enough of these procedural police uh, TV shows and through documentaries mm-hmm. to know where they're going and watching um, yeah. Nick deal with it and, and watching these two officers. I don't know how, if they crossed any lines in the in the course of that, uh, in their interrogations, because I know they have a lot of latitude, but boy, did it feel like they crossed some lines um, in that, in that yeah. particular sequence. But it is riveting and truly truly uh, um, a moving part of this film that I just, I, I, I was, like I said, I was literally shaking because I just felt there was so much tension there. Uh, oh, well, Now, it, it, did they cross any lines in that? Do you know procedurally or were they, were they within the bounds of their ability to ask the questions that they were posing to Nick in that interview? Yeah, I think the questions were all kosher. Um, I think that Nick was technically free to leave, but when he, you know, for most of the interrogation, but when he got up and they yeah. kind of physically blocked him from leaving, yes. um, he knew, I mean, as we say in the film, that this was kind of an invitation for if he ever got excited or if he ever said, excuse me, or put his hand on them, even in a soft way, that that would be an excuse to kind of, you know, kick him to the ground. And, you know, I mean, that that would be resisting, yeah. uh, that, that that could be used against him in all kinds of ways. So it seems like they brought it right up to the line at that point. I mean, there has part of the civil suit that Nick's team filed did did include the fact that he was strip searched and that there was, you know, this was not a rape. This was not uh, a situation in which, um, you know, his private parts would be pertinent. Um, so, you know, that was clearly a, a tactic of humiliation. Um, but, you know, there's never been a, uh, a kind of judgment that, that, that they were, that they broke any laws. No, well, that, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, that yeah. body language, the body language, you're right. They probably, all these questions are in a context are relevant or in some way or accepted as normal police procedure, but the body language and, and everything yeah. else about it just felt. And I, this is a... It was almost very dangerous, yeah. It really was. Yeah. It was and dangerous, yeah. I, yeah, it was yeah. dangerous, and it was pr- it was provocative, okay? that I think that's a safe way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, one, yeah. Of, one of the challenges in talking to you about who killed Garrett Phillips is I don't want to give very much away because I think it's in, in watching this film, and I really do think that if you're if you don't i'd almost encourage people to not read up on any of this just if you're interested in seeing the film see it on hbo on next tuesday and wednesday night otherwise there there is a, a lot of suspense in the film and i didn't know and i purposely did not want to find out how it was going to turn out so i'm sort of encouraging people to do that but in c- talking to you about it i don't want to give away anything more than we need 
Now, I do want to talk about the the DA, the the first DA, and then the, and then the second DA, the day the DA who who won an election. And this is another part of the film. It's about criminal justice. It's about race. It's about perceptions. It's about a lot of stuff. But politics is also a huge part of our criminal justice system. The fact that we elect district attorneys, and oftentimes the district yeah. attorneys who get elected are the ones who are the most sort of Neanderthal when it comes to or race baiting or whatever it might, whatever works in this political realm that we live in now. It's oftentimes the people who win and the people who are out for with an agenda. And I'm just because I think that's a, uh, the way to frame what happened to the, the first DA and the second DA, if you want to talk about that. The tragedy happened, as you said, on October 24th, and uh, um, a young boy was murdered. You know, as the police started to investigate, uh, you know, try to figure out who had done this, they very quickly, you know, narrowed in on uh, Nick Hillary, who was the ex-boyfriend of, the, you know, an African-American, the ex-boyfriend of the, the mom of the son, Candy, who, who was white. You know, the police collected evidence. The, the DA, Nicole Duvet, did not bring an indictment against who they thought the police sort of seemed to be working on as their prime suspect, Nick Hillary. She just didn't think there was enough evidence. And there was some pressure on the DA, Nick Duvet, to, of course, bring an indictment in this case. Um, it, was a ter- it was a tragedy. The town was devastated. But Duvet did not feel that she had enough evidence to mount a prosecution. Then the election comes, and her challenger is a DA named is a is a uh, lawyer named Mary Rain, who basically runs on the idea that she will get justice for Garrett. And justice for Garrett was code for yeah. locking up Nick Hillary, yep. because I mean we know that in the way that the justice for Garrett campaign was launched, they put signs all over his house. They followed people who were alibi witnesses for Nick Hillary to far-flung towns and put signs up as, as a mean, justice for Garrett signs as a means of intimidating them. So justice, in Garrett, justice for Garrett and, um, you know, Nick Hillary, lock up Nick Hillary were, were aligned. And so, so Mary Rain aligned herself with that movement, even appeared at campaign events with Garrett's grieving mother, um, Tandy Cyrus, and, you know, really ran on the fact that she would mount this case. And, you know, no, and then, you know, time goes on. She's elected. She defeats Duvet. And, indeed, she goes ahead and tries to bring an indictment against Hillary. Her first attempt, it loses, thrown out. You know, so the whole thing of you could indict a, a hand sandwich, um, you know, did <laughs> yeah. not work in that case. But then she goes ahead and tries again, and she does get, which is not double jeopardy because it's not, a, right. you know, a, it's just an indictment. It's a grand jury proceeding, and um, she, she's able to secure an indictment against Nick to prosecute Nick. So, the you know, the... Pro, like you said, prosecutors are elected officials. These are become very political. Um, people want justice. People want people to pay for crimes as well. We all should. But it becomes, you know, often the family members are used as pawns. I think we, we see this case. And I think one of the big issues that a lot of people who have looked at this case talk about is prosecutorial misconduct and, you know, the lack of oversight on prosecutors. And again, we won't reveal what happens in the end and what happens with the prosecutor, what happens with the case. But, you know, this is certainly a, a you know, a major theme of, of the what the documentary explores. Right. And by the way, we're speaking with Liz Garvis. She's the director of the film, new documentary film, Who Killed Garrett Phillips. And this is part of what is, and through all this, all of the, the uh, almost, uh, 
almost three hours of film, two and a half, three hours of this film over two parts in on HBO, is the thread that runs through it almost from the beginning is how much does race play into all of this, all the way through. And when somebody runs a campaign like uh, Mary did, the dog whistle part of her campaign is hard to miss. I mean, you really have to really kind of squint to not see what she was doing in her campaigning. And um, yeah, so that's another huge, in my opinion, a huge part of this documentary is is that, um, there, it, which illuminates an, a lot more other issues that, uh, that are a part of uh, the telling of this story. It's a remarkable film. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It, uh, it is uh, great storytelling, very compelling uh, people in the film. The defense team is another whole story unto itself, how they got involved. <laughs> All of there's just so many different parts of this. Uh, Tandy Cyrus, who was, uh, tragically lost her son uh, in this, uh, the, under the most horrible kinds of circumstances, uh, is not in the film. Uh, I don't know if this was by choice. How, how, why do we not see Tandy in the film as much? I have to say, Tandy was always extremely lovely and kind and always behaved, you know, extremely kindly to those around her, um, in my observation. She, um, during the course of the trial, she was doing an interview. I think she had made an agreement with it. Was one, it was one of the networks that was covering the trial. It was either NBC or ABC. Now, I can't remember which one. And I think at that point, that was all she could manage. So, we, we, you know, I, I did talk to her about coming back to her after the, you know, the trial when things were a little more quiet in her life. And we tried that, and finally, um, kind of after some time, she agreed that we could come and film her at a at a at a fair she was holding in Garrett's memory to raise money for an after school program in his name, and you know that maybe we would go ahead and do the interview then. And we did go up and we did shoot that fair, but she just couldn't do the interview. You know, look, as a mom, yeah. I understand, yeah. Um, yeah. and you know that. Uh, that's how that happened. Understood. You know, I think that, you know, when you're an elected official or a public official um, in a case like this, you know, you have a responsibility to speak. Um, I think, you know, when you're a mom, it, you don't, you know, and it's up to you. So yeah, um, yeah. ultimately that was not what Tandy wanted to do, and I respect it. Yeah, she wants justice, and, and it's, it, I, it's, I, it's unimaginably painful, I'm sure, for her to... To uh, go over again and again, uh, so um, understandable. Sure. I just wanted to address that because she is not. Um, we don't see her other yeah, than absolutely. some footage of her in the That's film, and it's kind of understandable. Well, thank you very, very much for coming back on Film School Radio. Uh, uh, the film again is "Who Killed Garrett Phillips." Uh, it's on, as I said, on HBO Tuesday, July twenty-third, and Wednesday, July twenty-fourth at eight p.m. on HBO. Check this out. Uh, Liz is, Liz Garbus has an amazing career, Nothing Left Unsaid, uh, as well as just so many other wonderful films. By the way, real quick, this is the last question, I promise. Uh, I just read up on your your first documentary was documenting your last day of school. How cool of an idea that's was true. Uh, how cool <laughs> was that idea? I think that I, that's genius. I mean, how many of us look back on on high school, and for some of us, that's probably the most lasting impression is our as we're walking out the door. 
Uh, is this available anywhere? I'm just kind of curious. Have you ever made that? Oh, of- God. I wish I could find it. I remember, you know, we shot, and it was like the first time. I don't even know what the format was. Maybe it was VHS. It was like, you know, really early in the days of even ha- people having personal video cameras. So I shot it, and, um, and I might have shot the last week. I mean, I might have shot more than one day. And I did like a little in-camera edit, you know. And then I showed it to all, like a bunch of friends and families at the end. Um, you know, all of our shenanigans and leaving school but i i don't know where it is um so so no i don't have it oh well okay it'd be very embarrassing oh well i just think again i think it's such a great idea it's such a great documentary mindset to want to do that so uh uh, that's awesome i don't even think i knew what a documentary was um thank you thanks thanks for the talk and for watching the film and putting it out there i appreciate it thank you so much liz garbus thank you take care okay ciao bye-bye You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.